listeners and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm Dr. Kim Ozano and together with a selection of co-hosts from around the world, we discuss the ways in which people and communities connect with research and science. We hear from patients and survivors, health workers, policymakers, scientists and implementing research organizations about the methods and approaches that they apply to co-produce knowledge to address current global health challenges. Thank you for listening and on to this week's episode. Hello listeners and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. This month's series is all about improving the quality of antenatal and postnatal care in Kenya, Nigeria and Tanzania. In this episode, we are going to be focusing on Nigeria. Why Nigeria? Well, Nigeria has one of the highest rates of maternal and neonatal deaths in the world. We know from episode one that antenatal care and postnatal care can prevent, identify and manage conditions that cause maternal and neonatal deaths. However, a Nigeria-based survey in 2018 revealed that only 43% of women had a delivery with a skilled birth attendant. What's interesting about this figure is that there are more women attending antenatal care and postnatal care than ever before, with up to 85% in one state. Yet when it comes to delivery, that percentage is nearly halved. We will be discussing these differences throughout the episode and why antenatal care is a logical entry point for integration of services for that continuum of care and integrating health services such as HIV, TB, and malaria. But before we begin, let's welcome our co-host, Lucy Nayega. Welcome. How are you today? Thank you very much, Kim. I'm well, thank you. I hope you're well too. And I'm really happy to be here today uh, together with our guests to speak really about Nigeria and uh, the topic of today. Good day to our listeners, wherever they are listening to us from across the globe. And as you have heard, my name is Lucy Nyaga. I am the country director of Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine in Kenya. My background is medical anthropology and public health. I have 20 years experience in implementing health programs, uh, mostly in Eastern Africa with a special focus on maternal and newborn health. In the course of my career, I've worked with a range of organizations and stakeholders ranging from government ministries and departments from academic institutions, research institutions, UN agencies, national and international and government organizations, civil societies. I've also had the privilege to work with really healthcare workers at health facilities in the topic of maternal and newborn health. And I'm really excited today to listen to, you know, the Nigeria bit and hear how they are improving health of mothers and children and working to build the capacity of healthcare workers in Nigeria, two states that we'll be focusing on today. So it's really good to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. Thank you, Kim. Thank you very much. It's great to have you with us for this whole series as well. We're all women today, so let me introduce the other two wonderful women we will be speaking to. We have Nafisat Musa Isa, who is a Deputy Director of Family and Community Health in Kaduna State within Nigeria, and Dr. Bumai Ayindi, who is Director of Public Health in Oyo State Ministry of Health. And both of our guests will be talking about quality improvement of integrated HIV, TB, and malaria services in antenatal care and postnatal care. So let's hear from our guests. Nafisat Musa Isa, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Kim. Um, my name is uh, Nefisat Musa Isa. I work with Kaduna State Primary Healthcare Board, a deputy director um, Department of Family and Community Health Services in charge of uh, Maternal and Child Health Division uh, in Kaduna State. 
Uh, we have over 9 million people uh, and uh, up to 2.2 million women of childbearing age. We have up to 23 local government area, uh, 255 wards, up to 1,500 functional primary healthcare centers. We have also 30 secondary facilities with five tertiary facilities. And we also have over 500 registered private as well as faith-based facilities. Uh, as a deputy director in charge of maternal and child health division, I oversee the maternal and child health services across all uh, primary health care centers in the state in which quality improvement intervention is part of it. Did you say 9 million people? Yeah, we also have, it is very important for us to know that we have up to 2.5 million women of childbearing age. That's incredible. And, and you know, this particular intervention is basically concerned with women of childbearing age as well as children from zero to five years. So when we're thinking about connecting with those 2.5 million women, um, how do you normally work with communities in your role? Always considering the need of the people and the community in terms of access and availability of health facilities and other social amenities that exist within the people and the community. We also consider the existing opportunities which can be used to mobilize people and community to solve their problems, such as type of food uh, crops uh, that is grown in the area, which we can use it to improve the nutritional status of women and children. We also consider the religion and the cultural norms of the people and the community in which it will determine what will be accepted by the people. For example, uh, you know, in Muslim community, we don't accept um, folk meat, and we know nutritionally it is a very good source of protein, but it, that is not accepted in Muslim community. And also another example is that in the northern part of the country, we don't really accept male to conduct deliveries. So it's, that's, those are part of the culture that we need to understand so that when we are connecting with people, we should be able to know what they are considering as important. And we also need to consider the status of health-seeking behaviors of the people and the community, which could be either positive or negative. Thanks, Nafisat. So you have to consider the culture, uh, people's yeah. behaviors. So you must have to mechanism because things change over space or time and situation as we've seen with COVID. What functionality do you have to make sure that you're up to date with communities' needs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Kaduna State, we have a functional community structure where when we are connecting with um, with our communities, we need to uh, call, follow those, those structures uh, so that the community can be carried along in whatever you are doing in the community. Um, like in Kaduna State, in each of the wards, we have a ward development committee uh, that are overseeing the entire uh, activity of the ward in regards to health-related issues. And uh, within also the ward, we have um, community engagement focal persons that overseeing uh, a, a lower structure of the community uh, members. Those are the community volunteers that are the ones that have direct contact with the people in the community. And the function of those community volunteers is to constantly create demand in terms of maternal and child health, and as well make referrals 
to closest primary health care center where they can be able to access services. And if there, are, if there is any information that we want to um, pass to the community that is from the facility, uh, the uh, World Development Committee, uh, the link between the facility as well as the community. So we pass the information to the World Development Committee and the information would also be passed to the community. And if there are issues with the health facility or any health re related issues that the, uh, the community wants the healthcare co-workers or the government to, uh, to know and to be able to make to, to have intervention, the World Development Committee members uh, passes through the facility uh, to the local government as well as to the state so that um, uh, intervention will happen uh, in that particular community. So this is how the community operates and this is how we link with the community and this is how the community links with the government. That's fantastic. And these community uh, engagement or focal persons, do they tend to stay in the role quite a long time or do you see that role changing? When we are appointing uh, any role in the community, we ensure that we always select people that are staying within the community so that there won't be much stress, there won't be much cost, and they are willing to work because they are working for their community members. So the community engagement focal persons are selected uh, people within the ward that they are residing and they are doing their intervention within that ward and they are part of the community. That's great. I understand the new program. We're going to hear about more uh, about that in a moment. I know it's a lot about capacity strengthening. Are these community health volunteers part of that process? No, um, it's one of the gaps that we have identified in this particular project. There is one important component that we have missed in this intervention. And we feel that that component is a very, is a very, very important component where if we include that component, there would be more better impact um, on this particular project. And we know that we must work with the community. So even outside um, the intervention, we were able to bring those community members on board to be able to let them understand that this is what is happening. At the end of the day, they will be the ones to give us feedback whether the community are satisfied or not satisfied in regard to this particular intervention. So we have uh, included the community members, despite that the program has not captured that, but we have tried as much as possible since we know that we cannot work without the community. So we have to bring the community on board. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So that's Kaduna State. Let's hear from Dr. Bumi about uh, Oyo State. Is that correct? And how are you? Welcome to the podcast and tell us about yourself and where you work. I am Dr. Olu Bumi Ayide. I'm a public health practitioner and I'm presently the director of public health in Oyo State. I have worked with Oyo State for about 15 years presently. I spent over 12 years as the HIV state coordinator in Oyo State, and I coordinated malaria and TB along with maternal and child health services. All these activities included antenatal care for pregnant women and also cervical cancer screening for women of reproductive age across the state. My master's in public health was actually concerning maternal and child health. I provide 
evidence-based, people-centered, and sustained healthcare service delivery to strengthen Oyo State healthcare systems. I lead cross-functional teams to consistently meet with key states and program indicators and program deliverables to ensure efficient, affordable, accountable, and equitable way with full community participation. When we provide our services in the state, we ensure that we carry along the communities, the healthcare providers to ensure sustainability. And we also look at health system strengthening. Under the Global Fund project, I, I was also the health system strengthening coordinator in the state. I've also led the implementation of this present project in collaboration with Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, and it was funded by Global Fund also. The services were actually provided across the state where we have 33 local government areas and we have 57 secondary healthcare facilities. We have a lot of private facilities also, and we have over 700 primary healthcare centers presently in the state. Thanks, Dr. Bumi. Um, so you've said that community participation is something that you do uh, in all of your work. What does that look like in practice? So we've heard about some uh, committees in Kaduna. Is there something similar in Oyo State? We have ward development committees where you have meetings regularly on a monthly basis across these different communities. And also when you are planning for a health program, key stakeholders in the community are also part of your planning process. For example, under this project, we have a QI team in the facility. We are community members, that is faith-based organizations like Christian leaders, religious leaders, community leaders are also part of the quality improvement committee. And this helps us with buy-in of this program. And it also helps increase the trust. And these community leaders could also advocate to other key stakeholders in the community to ensure that services are being utilized, cultures, they imbibe new health cultures, and it also helps them to build their health in the community and also strengthen their health and their way of um, thinking also changes to imbibe new um, programs that are brought to them that could actually improve the health of the community as we move along. When you're engaging communities in different ways and gatekeepers and leaders, we uh, have to think about certain things so that people can participate. What are some of the considerations that you need to think about when trying to get communities and people involved in the work you do? For us in Oyo State, we look at so many issues. The first and most important thing is ethical issues that binds the relationship between we and the community. We look at issues that come in play, issues with trust issues, and the ability for the community to actually be able to participate and use appropriate technology to imbibe what we are actually trying to implement at the different facilities. Community participation is a form of feedback to the government to know what exactly these facilities want, what yeah. they like, what is their interest, what is their priority, and what does government need to do to actually help and support them. And we also look at issues of participatory culture. We want them to participate. 
We want the program to be a sustainable one. We want the process of um, sharing ideas and learning from each other. You know, mm -hmm. we don't always want it to be just feeding them in. We want them to learn from us and we also want to learn from them, especially their culture, their political inclination. When we look at their political inclination, let me give an example. If there are two communities in an area and there is rivalry between the communities and you want to put in a health facility and you put the facility in one of the communities, the other side of the community will not accept to use that facility. So whatever health program you are bringing in will not be utilized maximally. So you want to know the culture, the political terrain, you want to carry them along in planning, you want to also seek their consent. Seeking their consent before we do any program is also very important because we want to engage them with them. And in engaging with them, we give them time to understand what we are bringing in so that they could ask questions. And in the process of asking questions, they believe in us, they are able to trust in us. And this brings transparency and trust. And it also impacts on their needs and the action that we want them actually to take into cognizance. It is also important to interact with the communities and health workers. Before we actually start, we need to see who are the gatekeepers we need to talk to. And at the end of the day, would realize that even these community members may advocate to other community members. They can actually create support groups to help us build the program and to help us ensure the success of what we are doing. And at the end of the day, they would actually have improved health within the community and they can actually change their way and own look and outlook to service delivery within the community. So those are the things we look at as a state when we want to engage with our different communities. And Dr. Bumi, this is very, very impressive. Um, a decision maker like yourself and a policy maker, we don't always hear of these positions of, of power being so participatory and inclusive. Is, is that normal within the state, within Nigeria? Or is that something that you are passionate about and are trying to change from an organizational perspective? It's two way. For all programs I've actually managed, you need community participation. Okay. Like I've worked in HIV for over 12 years. And for you to be able to ensure people living with HIV buy into what you do, you pick them up from the planning stage. We do yeah. the work plan together. We do different services together. You actually decide on where services would be. Mm -hmm. Presently, we are talking about dispensing um, drug dispensers at the facility. We are actually doing key informants interview with them to see their buy-in and how it will affect their utilization when we are looking at issues of stigma. So these are things that we normally do. Like when we are talking about support group, we wanted to provide support group within the community. They didn't like it because people within the community would actually realize that, oh, this is someone living with HIV and they may be stigmatized in as much as we are still trying to reduce the stigma within mm -hmm. the community. But for them, they prefer the health facility support group. So we discuss all the time and most of our meetings, like we have a TB, HIV and malaria working group where we have community members 
um, people from the different communities, religious leaders, mm -hmm. and they give them their own perspective. And the truth about it is, it's all these community leaders that actually pay advocacy for us to ensure that these programs are implemented at the community level. So those are things we do routinely. And mm -hmm. those are things that actually help us to get into the community for maternal and child health. We even work with the traditional birth attendants to ensure that the facility can reach out to these people to do HIV tests, syphilis screening, and mm -hmm. also we encourage the traditional birth attendants to send their pregnant women for ultrasound scan. It's interpreted, and when there are challenges, they're actually linked to the primary healthcare centers where they work with healthcare providers. We actually had a mapping of traditional birth attendants in the state, and we are able to provide the mapping documents and with the traditional birth attendants to ensure that we work together. We actually want to try to face off the system over a period of time. And in, with this, we actually started sending their children to mm. community midwifery school through mm. the local governments across the state. And the midwifery school is actually funded by the local government. So we are hope they are expected to go back to that local government to work and it's under bond. So they are going to work in those communities to ensure that those systems are strengthened. And in that kind of process, we had advocacy meetings with them. They accepted the process. We started sending their children to school and they're actually looking at it that those children would actually be better healthcare providers in their different communities instead of actually doing their so they will just be there and the children will take over their services as they grow older. Those are things that we are trying to look at and it helps us to be able to engage closely with communities to ensure the success of different activities and programs. So now I'll then uh, move over to the project. I think we've heard quite a bit in terms of yourselves and also in terms of connecting the work that you do with the community. So I will now specifically move on to the global funded project specific questions. Uh, I'll start with uh, Dr. Bumi to just give us an overview by telling us about the situation of antenatal care and postnatal care in your facilities prior to the introduction of this global funded program and uh, what the situation is now based on uh, your experience and uh, involvement in the program. The program of quality improvements with the integration of HIV, TB and malaria into antenatal care and postnatal care services started in Oyo State in year 2020. And when it started in Oyo State, we had an entry process which included advocacy to key stakeholders, key gatekeepers, both at the primary healthcare level, at the secondary healthcare level, and at the ministry level. This was then followed by selection of 60 healthcare facilities, which included secondary healthcare, primary healthcare service centers, and also private facilities. This we are selected across the 33 local governments of the state. And these facilities had healthcare providers who were actually trained on antenatal care, postnatal care, and quality improvement. And over the time, each of them were to set up the quality improvement team. 
across their different facility using standard audits. The standard audits were to evaluate the impact of their services, really not impact, but to evaluate improvements in service delivery. There were facilitators that were trained who are from the state, and they presently exist in the state. And these facilitators are able to expand services, to train other people, to ensure that these services would actually be able to continue. We have review meetings quarterly, not regular, but we also, the facilities also have monthly quality improvement meetings because they've all had their quality improvement team in place, which consists of about six to 10 people. And we have heads of different units across the hospital and also community members as part of that quality improvement team. When the services started in Oyo State, we actually had challenges with antenatal care. Syphilis screening was very low at the facility level. Most facilities were not conducting postnatal care for their women. After delivery, these women go home. We actually have challenges with delivery. Women attend antenatal care or do not deliver in the facility. That's also a challenge. Waiting time was long and equipments were not adequate in the different facilities to ensure efficiency of services Malaria testing in antenatal care was actually low. And then intermittent preventive therapy for the prevention of malaria was also there, but it was also low. And most women could not even complete it because they register for antenatal care late and they would just be able to get one or two doses of the malaria prevention. But over time, we realized that there was change in quality of care and there were improvements over time. I used data for comparing it from January to June, 2020, that's the first two quarters of the year, comparing it with the data of January to June for year 2022. For postnatal clinic at that time, we had only about 9,000 women doing postnatal care presently we have 42,000 women actually attending two postnatal care services within six weeks. For HIV testing in antenatal clinic, then we were testing about 90% of our women. We had 51,000 then, and presently we have over 57,000 women being tested, which is about 97 to 98% of the women being tested, which is actually higher than the UN AIDS 595 target, which we are hoping to achieve in 2025. So with this, we would see that quality of care has improved, standard of service delivery has improved, and postnatal care has actually been put in place and is institutionalized. And before six weeks, they have two visits. And most importantly, respectful antenatal care has been put in place by improving the waiting area I know you are both in two different locations. Nafisat, picture, paint for us a picture of um, how it was before the introduction of the program and how it is now. Over to you, Nafisat, for Kandula State. The impact we are seeing since the inception of this intervention is that now we have uh, 15 master trainers on quality improvement, and we also have 29 on 
antenatal and postnatal integration, which we feel they have capacity to cascade this training to healthcare workers within the state. We have also seen that in some of the secondary facilities where women are having a cesarean section, women are now counseled and they know the reason and the implication of their future pregnancies. And we also have now equipment available in the implementing facilities where it is um, uh, the health workers in providing the quality services. Based on our indicators, we have seen women coming for antenatal with their babies within 72 hours of birth have increased from 29 in 2020 to 82% in 2022, where there is a remarkable increment in that regard. We have also seen there is increase in the uptake of postpartum family planning from 11% in 2020 to 28% in 2022. So these are the remarkable inc- increase based on our indicators from our administrative data in Kaduna State. I think it's clear that uh, we can see the changes that have happened across the last two years with the figures to support that kind of change. How does that relate to the community, basically? Because the healthcare worker who the program takes care of, but then uh, we see more people coming in. Some of the major um, reasons is that the healthcare workers now have the capacity, improved capacity, to be able to provide quality services during antenatal as well as during postnatal. And also there's also room for integration of services. Initially, we don't screen women for uh, malaria during booking, but with this intervention and with the capacity of healthcare workers now, they know that they are supposed to screen women for malaria as well as other diseases such as syphilis and others and that has really improved our indices. And also with the capacity of healthcare workers now, we have seen that initially they don't have much skills and they don't even pay much attention in monitoring a pregnant woman during labor. We are able to see that the women are now satisfied because exit interview has been conducted after this particular intervention. And we have seen that based on the result of the exit interview, women are now getting satisfied with what the healthcare workers are providing to them, once there is satisfaction, they will come to the facility and they can as well influence others to also come to the facility to access services. Wow, that's impressive. What I hear, you know, from Nafisat and from uh, Dr. Bumi is that the training of health, the healthcare workers, you know, led, uh, led to their change in their attitude. And then the other aspect, I think, is that uh, very uh, integrated community participation, that structured system, uh, such that then uh, the community itself, you know, sees uh, that change. The training has brought a change, uh, maybe because of the confidence of the healthcare worker when they have uh, had the skills and therefore everything snowballs and uh, goes back to really what the program wants to do, have an impact on the mothers and the child. And it sounds really rosy and nice, but uh, do you think, I'm sure there's always, you know, room for improving and room for making more impact because we are not, you know, we can say our indicators are up there. Uh, what more can this program do, you know, in the, this context to have even greater impact than what, uh, what you've just mentioned now? I think I have mentioned some of the challenges as one. Number one major challenge that we have identified is that we have omitted um, involving or inclusion of the community from the initial stage. 
but we are able to mitigate that and know that, yes, going forward, that if we will be able to involve the community, they have a greater role of uh, making the impact to have more uh, achievement. Also, there was a little challenge in regard to formation of care teams. You know, we have to include the community. So that has become a challenge because we are not able to uh, involve the community at the initial stage. Since we know we must work with the community, so we had to bring the community on board. So there was a little delay in, in, uh, for us to be able to set up those quality improvement teams because we have to bring the community on board so that they can be able to also be part of the team. There is also a challenge of having not having adequate supportive supervision, uh, whereby, you know, after training the healthcare workers, you don't just leave them like that. You need to be following them, to be seeing what they are doing, to be mentoring in some, at some instance, to be also coaching at some instances. So there was that um, gap where we feel that we need to uh, make it possible for us to be having quarterly supportive supervision so that we'll be mentoring and see how our healthcare workers are linking themselves with the, with the women and also linking themselves with the community to ensure that they are giving the best to the women. To further increase the impact of this program, yes, we've trained facilitators in the state who can actually help in expansion across facilities. We also need to put in place a mentorship program if there is a mentorship program, it helps for sustainability and it helps the program to move on forward. Then with the community engagement, we need to create more awareness on the importance of antenatal service delivery. And we need to ensure male involvement in our antenatal care services because they are the ones that can take decisions within the community and within their families. Then if we have a program in which Facilities can learn from each other, like where facilities can learn from each other, they put in best practices and they interact with each other and learn. That kind of program would actually put in competition into the facility system and help to improve the system and the programming and give more impact to the program. Apart from expanding services, there's always room for expansion of services but those things can actually help. And for us in Oyo State presently, we are actually looking at how can quality improvement services be involved in all health programs. This would actually help in improving all our indicators. And we can also look at building a mechanism for cross-facility consultation, sharing of experience, and this would help improve service delivery. And then we should remember that antenatal care is the entry into the continuum of care. Building capacity of healthcare workers alone would not be able to sustain this process. Okay, thank you very much. We are working in very limited number. Programs are really limited and they work you know, in a limited number of facilities. They cannot cover all. But what Nafisat said, and by extension also Dr. Bumi indicated too, you know, what, what the lessons we are learning from implementing these, they are not just staying within those facilities that we are working on. They are going uh, into guidelines, into the, you know, uh, the health information systems of the states. So I think this is really encouraging for sustainability 
really because we know programs only run for a specific time and they will be through within no time so I, I, if i got it right i hear a lot of uh, integrating the program uh, interventions but also taking them to higher level into the guidelines and the health systems uh, like including indicators in state systems as a way to ensure that there's that sustainability so great but i'll stop there and hand over back to kim thanks very much so we have a lot of listeners that are uh, maybe new to working in this field or our early career uh, possibly as well so dr bumi what advice do you have for them those working in research and working with communities need to actually understand the complexities of the research work and of the communities and understanding the complexity of the problem within the community. With this, they will be able to have better decision-making and these facilities would actually be able to accept their services better. That is one of the issues Then we need to communicate in ways that the community will actually understand. Then when we want to use examples, we use examples with pictures that are for the community to understand. We also need to embrace open access. The community should have open access to us. We have a lot of researchers that listen to this podcast and scientists, and they want to understand what they need to do to connect with communities better. What advice would you give to them? For us to be able to connect with, uh, with the communities uh, and the people, we need to understand the need of our people, the community, and um, where we work and plan towards providing services that is accessible, affordable, and available using the client-centered approach. Because we are always concerned in providing services that is needed by the client based on what she has presented. We also need to employ multiple options and strategies on how to better connect with people so as to understand what they need. Finally, researchers need to know where we are and what we need to be done to improve the status of health service delivery in our communities, most, most especially with focus to improving the health of women and children, meaning that we need to measure the level and the impact of implementation in various communities be able to know the gaps of implementation and be able to know the area of interest so that we can work towards the interests of the people so that they can have what they are expected to have so that at the end of the day, we can improve the health indices of the people within that community and try as much as possible to eliminate harmful traditional practices within the community. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, some wonderful insights there and, and thank you for sharing those. So I think that's a perfect place to wrap up today's episode. So a big thank you to our guests for really painting a picture for us about this wonderful program and, and how you connect with communities in such a structured and a thought through manner. Thank you to our co-host Lucy for bringing her own insights to this discussion as well. And as always, thank you to our listeners. These voices are really important, the voices of decision makers, of patients, of the public, of our co-hosts are really important. So do like, share and subscribe. And that's how you can support this initiative to move forward. Thank you and goodbye for this episode. Yeah,
Goodbye. Thank Bye. you, Kim. Thank you, Nafisat, the keyboard. Kabumi. Bye. Bye. Thank you.